Well, hello, my friends, and thank you for joining me today for Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corporate with Hickory Ridge Community Church. We are excited to be giving you part two on the subject of five characteristics of genuine love. Peter Miller was a Baptist pastor during the American Revolution. He lived in Pennsylvania, and one of his dearest friends was General George Washington. In the town of Ephrata, where he lived, there was a spiteful troublemaker, an arch enemy of Peter Miller, a guy by the name of Michael Whitman. Well, Whitman did everything he could to oppose and to humiliate Pastor Miller. On one occasion, he punched Pastor Miller right in the face. And then on another occasion, he spit on him in the face. Well, one day, Mr. Whitman was arrested for treason and was sentenced to death. When he heard the news, Pastor Miller set out to Philadelphia to plead for the life of his enemy. After traveling for 60 miles on foot, Miller petitioned his friend, General Washington, to spare Whitman's life. No, Peter, General Washington said, I cannot grant you the life of your friend. My friend, exclaimed the old preacher, he's not my friend. In fact, he is the bitterest enemy I have. What? cried Washington. You've walked all these miles to save the life of an enemy? That puts this matter into a whole different light. I will grant your pardon. And he did. And that day, Miller and Whitman walked back home to Ephrata together, and they arrived home no longer as enemies, but as friends. What do you think of that level of love? That is an example of the love that God has for us. We're looking at John 3.16. We've learned already that God's love is unstoppable. For God so loved the world, it's also unconditional. You can't reduce his love that he has for you. Unstoppable, unconditional love. We also learned that his love for us is very expensive, but not only is it very expensive, it is extremely valuable. You can't put a price tag on it. Can you think about how much God loves us, that he sent his only son to die for us, and that he created us in his image? I don't know about you, but I have a hard time just getting my mind around the fact that God loves me so much. Now, And I know sometimes it's hard for us to even think on that level, because even the best of us, our love for others is somewhat tainted. We strive to have this unconditional love, but we fall short, and we miss the mark. But I want you to know that God so loved you that he gave his one and only son. He gave his life to purchase our freedom. I am so glad that because of the love of God, I am no longer a slave to sin. I am no longer enslaved to this sin. I am set free. You know, Jesus said, when the Spirit sets you free, you will be free indeed. Well, there's a third component that we've got to cover when we think about God's love for us. Number three is that it is available and it is personal. That whoever believes in him, John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him. And I want you to know that this available love, the availability cannot be stopped. It's always going to be available to whoever believes. In Acts 16, 31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. 
Not you might be saved, or you could possibly... No, no, you will be saved. As you believe, you are saved. One time I got a discussion with somebody, and they said, well, I don't know if I can be saved. I asked, what do you mean you don't know if you can be saved? Whoever believes in the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. He says, well, I'm not sure that I'm part of the elect. And I said, well, let me ask you a question. Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins? Uh, Do you believe that he rose again three days later? Do you believe that he can forgive you of your sins? And he said, yes, yes, yes. And I said, if you believe that, you're saved. If you're saved, you're part of God's elect. He said, well, how do I know I'm part of God's elect? Because you believe. And I said, well, let me give you the opposite. Let's say you don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't believe that he died on the cross for your sins. Uh, You don't believe that he rose again three days later. If you don't believe that, you're not saved and you're not part of God's elect. (laughs) Isn't it amazing how we complicate things? Listen, God's love is available. It is personal. It is available to everybody. Available to all. That can't be stopped. Look at John 6.37 says this. All those the Father gives me will come to me. Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Now, Karl Barth was a Christian theologian. He was a philosopher. I wouldn't consider him one of these really strong evangelical types of Christians, but there's no doubt that he was a believer. He put his faith and trust in Christ. As you look at his life, toward the end of his life, he was asked one day, if he could summarize the Christian doctrine, the Christian faith. Well, he answered by reciting the words of a song that many of us learned as a child. This is what he said. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Summing up Christianity, there it is. Jesus loves me. I know this because the Bible tells me so. Listen, the mountains may shift, the hills may be shaken, but the faithful love of God will not shift. God's covenant of peace will not be shaken. As a matter of fact, that's not me saying that. That is Isaiah the prophet, Isaiah 54. This is what the Lord says. The mountains may shift, the hills may be shaken, but my faithful love won't shift from you, and my covenant of peace won't be shaken. Listen, call upon the name of the Lord. You will be saved. He said, well, I know that's awful simple. Uh, some people think that's so simple that you can't do it, right? Well, the Bible says it takes childlike faith, the faith of a child, a little faith like the faith of a mustard seed. It doesn't take a big faith in God. It takes a little faith in Him, and then that faith begins to grow. Listen, if you can trust the Lord with your eternal life, then you can trust Him with your every single day life. You see, God's love is unstoppable. God's love is invaluable. God's love is available to us. And then number four, God's love is not condemning. It's filled with mercy. Look at what John 3.16 says, that whoever believes in him shall not perish. You see, we need to read a few verses down past verse number 16, where John says that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Listen, there's only one sin that keeps you out of heaven. It's not the sin of adultery, not the sin of a murder. You name any other sin that you want to name, there's only one sin, and that is 
rejecting the gift of salvation, blaspheming the Holy Spirit, because whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. So I would beg of you, God's love is not condemning you. You know, when I was going through my freshman year in high school, I failed English. Now, notice what I said. I failed English. I didn't say my teacher failed me. I failed English. I didn't study. I didn't do the homework. And then we got to the point where there was an oral presentation that was a good portion of my grade, and my grade was so bad, and I refused to do the oral presentation, and so I failed freshman English. I'd take it again. That teacher didn't fail me. I failed myself. Sin causes us to fail. The wages of sin is death. You see, sin is missing the mark. We fall short of the glory of God. There are consequences for falling short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter if you deny them. It doesn't matter even if you try to redefine sin. Sin is missing the mark. Sin is anything that I say, do, or think that misses the mark or displeases God. But when we are saved, when we put our faith and trust in Christ, we are set free. Not freedom from sin to do everything we want, but freedom from sin so that we can serve others. You see, even the freedom from sin cannot be stopped. And let me give you the proof text for that. Let's look at John chapter 8. And to help us understand this somewhat of a complex verse, I'm going to read it to you in a more modern translation. John 8, 35, New Living Translation, going down to verse number 38. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. Yes, I realize that you are descendants of Abraham, and yet some of you are trying to kill me, and these are the words of Christ, because there's no room in your hearts for my message. I'm telling you what I saw when I was with my father, but you are following the advice of your father. Here Jesus is laying it out, and he's laying it out to these Pharisees. And these Pharisees were descendants of Abraham. These were Jews. These were men who thought that they had an edge on their faith because they were descendants of Father Abraham. But here Jesus is telling them that if you are born again, you're a member of the new family, God's family. Your first family was the father, the devil. You were born into sin. You were born into the consequences of those sin. But when the Son sets you free, you're truly free. And Jesus says, you so dislike this message that you're trying to kill me because there's no room in your heart for this message because you are born of your father, the devil. You have never been born again. You have never received this message. So you are enslaved to sin. Now, as I think about this, when we are changed by the power of the gospel, by the blood of Jesus Christ, we are able to live much differently. There's that old adage that tells us to forgive and forget. But does that really line up with the church's understanding of forgiveness? Does showing mercy really require that we no longer remember the wrongdoing? Pastors are half as likely as the congregants to say that real forgiveness requires forgetting. Pastors are less likely than those in the pews to say it's all about restoring a relationship 
but not forgetting. Well, either way, forgiveness can be difficult for us to extend it. And the reason is, is because we confuse forgiveness and trust. Now, listen, I can forgive somebody, but I don't have to trust them. Forgiveness is a gift. Trust is earned. I use the example of my kids. If you mess with my kids, I'll do my best to forgive you. And I probably will, with time, be able to forgive you. That doesn't mean I'm going to trust you. I'll forgive you. I'm not going to get bitter over that. I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm not going to constantly regurgitate that. I'm going to forgive and try to live as if the offense never took place, but I'm not going to trust you. Trust is earned. Forgiveness is granted. Now, as we look at this subject, they did a study, and this was with Christians, and they wanted to discover what percentage of Christians identify with various experiences. Here's the first one. Did you know that 55% of Christians have received unconditional forgiveness from somebody? Over half of believers said, you know what? I know somebody, and I have received unconditional forgiveness from that person. I can personally testify of a time that I received unconditional forgiveness. When I was just a young man, I was involved in an accident where somebody was seriously injured, and and the accident was 100% my fault. I I mean, there's no way around it. I I didn't try to deny uh, that it wasn't my fault. I acknowledged that I was at fault. This person who was innocent was injured. And uh, I went through a long process. That's when I went through about a, a year of about a depression where I was just going through life and I felt like the whole world was passing me by. Now, I want to be careful because when you look at something like this, it's so easy to make it about yourself. I want to make it about that person who gave me unconditional forgiveness. During the time of going through the court proceedings and and all that we had to go through, uh, I was told by my attorney, don't communicate uh, with this person who has been injured until after things have been settled legally. And so I kind of had this gag order where I couldn't talk to this person, and I so wanted to reach out to this person and apologize to them. But a year later, after everything was finally settled, I was able to talk to this person, and I went to this person and said, now listen, I humbly come before you, and and I want to ask you to forgive me. I I was totally negligent. I I was so stupid. I cannot believe I did this to you. Would you please forgive me? You know what this person said? Absolutely. She said, I forgave you a long time ago. I forgive you. No strings attached. Uh, She didn't say, I tell you what, I'll forgive you if you give me a a bunch of money for pain and suffering. No, no, she didn't put any strings on it. She says, you know what? I forgive you. I didn't deserve it. I couldn't earn it. That's unconditional forgiveness. 55% of believers have said they have received unconditional forgiveness. 38% says they have not received unconditional forgiveness. Now, I find that hard to believe, right? Because when you think about being born again, uh, you have received unconditional forgiveness from God. And if you think really hard, you probably have received unconditional forgiveness of something else, but maybe you forgot about it. Isn't it easy uh, to, to forget about the times we have been forgiven, but to dwell on and to nurse and to rehearse that offense of somebody else? That's just how we tend to be. Well, 27% of Christians say 
they know somebody they don't want to forgive. A fourth of believers say they know somebody, they, I don't want to forgive that person. 23% say they know somebody they can't forgive. In other words, uh, that percentage is a little bit smaller, but it's still 23% say, you know what? I can't forgive that person. I won't forgive that person. 15% of Christians says they have not offered unconditional forgiveness to somebody else. Thankfully, that's kind of low, that number. But still, 15%, you would think uh, one who has received unconditional forgiveness would eventually get to the point where they can offer that. And I know it's a process. I know it takes time. And I want to encourage you, if you're listening to me right now, maybe you have misunderstood forgiveness with trust. You can forgive somebody. And I'll be honest with you, I forgive others because of the benefit that I receive. You know, two people are set free. When I forgive somebody, they're set free. But more importantly, I'm set free. So as much as I hate to say this, I try to be a quick forgiver because of the benefit that I receive. I think all of us can identify with people who have grown older and they haven't got better as they've grown older. They become bitter as they've gotten older. You know, you can't help but to grow older, but you can help from growing bitter. Forgiveness releases me from that poison of bitterness. When I refuse to forgive somebody, it's like drinking poison and hoping that other person dies. When I refuse to forgive, oh yeah, that hurts that other person, but it hurts me even more. You know, God's love for us is unstoppable. His love is not condemning. His love is merciful. Whoever calls on the blame of the Lord, whoever believes in him, shall not perish. Well, there's one final character trait that we've got to look at from John 3.16. God's love, number five, is gracious and everlasting. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, not only does God not allow his wrath to be poured out on you, not only is he merciful to us, but he is gracious. Mercy is not receiving a punishment that we deserve. Grace is receiving a gift that we don't deserve. And here is that gift of everlasting life. And the psalmist understood this. The psalmist says, you know, we can never redeem ourselves. We cannot pay God the price for our lives because the payment for human life is far too great. What we could pay would never be enough to keep us from the grave. Would never be enough to let us live forever. That's Psalm 49, verses 7 through 9, the Good News translation. Jeremiah looked out at his people, and Jeremiah was the weeping prophet because he never really had any converts under his ministry. But he knew that even though people didn't convert, they were still recipients of God's gracious love. And he says to his people, Jeremiah 31 3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. You see, the gift of life cannot be stopped. And so Jesus uses the analogy of a sheep and a shepherd in John 10, 27, when he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. 
neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them to me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hands. You know, I found an amazing story of a man by the name of Anthony Delgado. Mr. Delgado lived on the streets of Atlanta, Georgia. He was a panhandler, and he panhandled to feed his drug addiction. One day, a man and a woman told him that he should go to the VA hospital. No one around him saw the couple. However, he realized that he probably needed to go to hospital, but he continued to panhandle, and then he began to develop chest pains. A man stopped by to help him and gave him a token to ride the train to the hospital. When Delgado got onto the train, the man vanished. Delgado made it to the hospital, but as he walked into that hospital, he had a heart attack. Thankfully, the doctors were able to resuscitate him, quickly did surgery on him, and his life was saved. Well, after coming out of the hospital, he joined a rehab program. He got help from a pastor. He told the minister the story of this vanishing couple, the man who gave him that train token. And the pastor replied, well, believe it or not, there are angels. Well, Delgado got a job, and then after a church service one day, the pastor was speaking about obedience. And he took bags of bread to a spot where he used to sleep on the streets. Within 45 minutes, all the bread, all the pastries were gone. As he was driving back, he started crying, and he says, Well, thank you, God. I have found my purpose in life. Well, today, Mr. Delgado has seven employees, two buildings, 17 freezers, and two trucks in the organization he founded named I Care Atlanta Incorporated. His nonprofit feeds hundreds of people a day, and he's also uh, earned his GED and he's also involved in financial planning and helping others get their finances together. During the holidays, they've been distributing a new toy to kids and holding all kinds of food drives. Delgado told a reporter, we all need to help each other. We're in a bad state right now. Open your heart. Help your neighbor. Don't be selfish. This is me, me, me attitude, and it's going to get us nowhere. We need to help one another. You see, when you think about the gift of love, the Christmas season, it contributes so much to our stress. As a matter of fact, the American Psychological Association says that 69% of us are anxious about the lack of time we have, the lack of money that we have. 42% say they are so stressed by the holidays, they wish they could just skip Christmas altogether. Well, here's the solution. Find somebody to serve today. You know, I got to be honest with you. I was feeling a little stressed out here, and I'm recording this message right before Christmas. You're hearing it after Christmas. But I was so stressed out, and I got a phone call, and, and I was asked if I would go into the institution, and, and the guys were getting ready to celebrate Hanukkah, and, uh, and they were a few days into Hanukkah, and they asked if the chaplain could come in, and so I walked into that facility, and and, I, and I've, I'm now serving at a new facility. I was, for many years, for 21 years, I served as the chaplain at uh, Indian Creek Correctional Center, and, and I'm switching over January 1st uh, to St. Bride's Correctional Center, and, and, uh, and I was asked to come in and said, okay, uh, even though I'm super busy, uh, I'm going to go in, I'm going to spend a little time with these guys, and, 
and I got to meet many of the people that I've been ministering to for years. I ran into one uh, officer. He says, hey, Chaplain Corbett, good to see you. He says, thanks for doing my wedding ceremony. He says, oh, you're still married? After all these years, said, oh, yeah, we're still married. You know, I found something very significant as we went in to serve. All of a sudden, that stress began to fall off. I spent my Monday night with my small group, and we went to a, uh, the ministry called the Onesimus House right here in Chesapeake, Virginia. And we went thinking we'd be a blessing to those guys. And you know who got the bigger blessing? We did. We brought them a meal, and my wife read them a, a simple little story called The Cripple Lamb. And she says, do you think these guys are going to think this is too childish? And every one of those guys were moved by the story of the crippled lamb. J.C. Penney once said this, when you give, you grow. Every experience God gives us, says Corey Ten Boone, every person he puts into our lives is the perfect preparation for a future only he can see. Well, thank you for joining me today. I hope that you will take these five points of love and share that with somebody else. You know, if you can't find somebody who's a blessing to you, why don't you be a blessing to somebody today? Thank you so much for joining me today. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ there is always hope for your heart.